With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Media joins us on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Mitch. Hey, Hedy, how are you, mate? Pleasure as always. Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Thanks so much for the time once again. Uh, just a bit off topic to begin, uh, but can I get your thoughts on the hottest 100 overall and the winner? Oh, okay. We're starting a bit differently, but I don't mind it. Um, yeah, I was well into it again this year. Um, the winner, look, two of my favourite things colliding. I have to say, the Wiggles and, and Tame Impala was always going to be um, something a lot of fans were going to get behind. Um, whether the execution was in my favour, probably not, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, lovely to see a couple of Australian legends take out um, the top spot in a, in a shared spot and a like version as well, which is something that Triple J are always very proud of to see one of them go on top. So, um, like I said, a couple of good things coming together. It wasn't my cup of tea in the end, though, but um, I think a lot of others are pretty happy to see it number one. I do have an ulterior motive for bringing it up because I'm not sure familiar, how familiar you are with uh, Dennis Denudo from the castle, but I'm all about vibe and omen. I study omen rink on a part-time <laughs> basis and Tame Impala's elephant being the winner – Tame Impala led by Kevin Parker. Kevin Parker is the number one ticket holder for the Fremantle Dockers. Fremantle Dockers Premiership soon. What do you think? On to something? I think, I think you've just joined all the dots together for me. I don't think there's much more we have to look into it. Um, I know he's, he's obviously yeah, Tame Impala and Kevin, big, big uh, WA presence. Um, and I think I, I was going to be big on them to, to perhaps even do the, the grand final entertainment last year. I think uh, their calendar, calendar probably wasn't in line with the AFLs, but... Um, who knows if Freo are in it this year? I think he's the exact type of energy booster the Dockers might need at half time. Um, with, yeah, tune like Elephant coming out and, and the Dockers back out um, for the second half of the flag. So that'd be, um, I'd, well, I know you'd be more than happy to hear that. Um, whether it comes true, we'll have to wait and see. I appreciate you uh, humouring me, Mitch. Uh, we'll move on to uh, the business at hand, mate. The Big Bash League team of the tournament. There's always outrage around uh, the selection of these teams that will never actually play a game. Ben McDermott, player of the tournament, he led the uh, names uh, into this side. Yeah, it was a you know, stellar season from Ben. You know, pair of centuries going back to back, and and really you know leading all runs, all run scorers for for the season when he had plenty of um, competition at top of that order. But uh, yeah. I don't think there's ever really any doubt to see him take the player of the tournament at top of that role and pairing with Josh Phillippe as well. Um, I think that was one that a lot of people could pencil in quite early into the campaign. Um, and I think that's really going to prosper well for Australia's hopes in an international stage for our opening partnership when you, you look at the likes of Warner and, and Fincher and where they're at in their careers and Phillippe and McDermott are certainly knocking on the door at the moment. No Glenn Maxwell in that side. Uh, debate continues about Maxi perhaps making his way back into the uh, baggy green as well. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, firstly, about him not getting into the Big Bash League uh, tournament side? Um, was it just not enough performances? I mean, he did miss a lot of matches as well. Yeah, look, in and out, it was, it was a bit of a horror run for, for Glenn and, and both the stars and saying that um, some of the COVID complications. But I think to see you know someone like Joe Clark at number three and maybe comparing the pair's numbers um, collectively, you could probably make a decent argument both ways for sure. Um, 
as far as Glenn, you know, that, that massive innings to finish the year and um, it was still quite a disappointing campaign for him. I, you could see he was a bit upset. They couldn't quite break into that top five bracket, but um, yeah, I think he probably was stiff. You know, you look at the rest of the order and, you know, Marsh, Short, Henriques, Sams, I'm, I'm happy to have them ahead of Maxwell, but I think the Clark and uh, Maxwell comparisons are certainly close and I think the Stars would be pretty happy they at least got one in there. Uh, the coaches and the umpires who vote on the player of the tournament sort of seeing different things. Uh, Maxi um, comes second uh, in the voting for the player of the tournament, but can't make the team of the tournament? Yeah, it's an interesting one, whether that's just how some coaches perceive Glenn or if that's how you know, some of the players or, or the voters um, perceive him. Look, he certainly had a, a, an enormous um, tournament in the Big Bash this year. Did a fantastic job under the circumstances to, to lead his side. Um, you know, in and out um, throughout that <laughs> that mid-rift of the campaign. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's just the way that I guess some coaches would structure it. I think Clark only had five votes, which was the equal lowest um, between the starting 11. So I think Glenn must have been close in the end with, um, I think the last few were three or four votes. So he couldn't have been far off. Um, but I'm assuming that um, Maxwell would have had a fair few votes from the coaches. And like I said, um, still ranking high up in player of the tournament, which is certainly still no surprise. Mitch Marsh, another one of those players that we often speak of. Uh, he had some hamstring awareness in the win over the Sixers that got the uh, Scorchers through to the final. He looks okay to go. He'll be a massive in if he is uh, all set to play on Friday. Yeah, absolutely um, huge for the Scorchers. You know, they've, they were able to, to track along well in his absence, but I think you know what we saw from the other night, um, even though it was a short little um, tenure from him in that match over over the Sixers. Mitch Marsh plays a huge role, a very significant role with both bat and ball, and, and, a, and he's a massive boost of confidence. Um, you know, if he's fit to play, he'll certainly be in the running to, to lead them over the line. And, and if not, they have the depth and the players um, to step up in his place. But um, you know, the form he had in the in the World Cup and to bring that straight into the BBL has been absolutely huge for Adam Voges. The T, uh, T20 Sri Lanka series, uh, it's a five-match series. Uh, the squad has been announced, and with it, some small confirmations of names for the Pakistan tour, which is a bit of an added bonus, I guess. Jai Richardson, for example, picked for this series. He won't play in Pakistan, but David Warner and Mitch Marsh have been rested for the uh, upcoming series against Sri Lanka, but destined to be picked for the Pakistan tour. So we're getting little bits of information here and there. Yeah, certainly kind of sharing the workload um, in some way, the selectors, um, and I think across the whole squad and, and what was evident in the Ashes, as we've mentioned across the past couple of weeks, is just the depth and the pecking order that Australia currently have, both with their bowling attack, but also with um, you know the top of their order. So for Jai, it sounds like it's a workload thing. He, I don't think he's had two. He's only played, I think, three career tests, um, and that's across you know the last three oh, years. Is, yeah. So um, I think it, it might be a good call to kind of rest him through that subcontinent um, or the early subcontinent series against Pakistan in March. I think in March, sorry, with, you know, uh, I guess Australia's history and, um, and with ball in hand, there can be very, very arduous innings. Um, you know, I think once we even bowled, I think, 210 overs in one innings alone. So <clears throat> to see, I think, Jai rested, probably not a huge surprise, but to have him at least get some subcontinental form in, um, in Sri Lanka, I think it's going to get the right balance for him. Uh, and as you mentioned, some of those other names, Warner and Smith um, and some of the, uh, I guess, um, you know, rotations that Australia are looking for. There's certainly some queries into, into you know, are we able to still put out our best side? I think Pakistan's certainly the, the priority um, with the, you know, the next two years and where we want to be in, in the standings. So, um, look, I think we've got the depth. We've, you know, we've got the names to, to step up and, and that next man up role um, has certainly been something that we saw this summer and hopefully it continues throughout the year.
More uh, Team of the Year announcements this week. The ICC Test Team of the Year announced, and apparently no room for the number one test bowler in the world. Our skipper, old blue eyes, Pat Cummins. What's going on there? Yeah, bizarre, really. Um, when you you kind of look at, I guess, the year in whole and whether you go for the, the, the avenue of, of you know averages and, and strike rates and that kind of stuff. So you just look at total wickets or, you know, in this case, which they didn't, um, looking at, you know, the ICC rankings. So, you know, for the year past and, and Cummins was absolutely fantastic, having one of the best averages uh, for the campaign and for the calendar. Um, kind of hard to see him not make that 11 was um, was a bit of a head-scratcher. Still got Marnus in, which was fantastic to see, but I think for Australia and, and you know, I guess some of the, the limitations we had in only playing a handful of tests compared to England, who had 15, I think a lot of other nations had close to 12, so maybe it was the total, um, I guess, pool of, of results that selectors could really go through, but I think Cummins' average was something that, that should have been hard to ignore, and I think that the year he had... Um, was rightfully deserving of a spot in that 11, for sure. As you say, Marnus made it for the Australians, but a great award season for Pakistan cricket, which whets the appetite for the upcoming series. Uh, Fawad Alam, Hassan Ali and Shaheen Shafridi, all in the team of the year. They almost clean swept to the Player of the Year awards as well. Baba Azam, the one-day Player of the Year. Mohamed Rizwan, the T20 winner. And Shaheen Shafridi, the ICC Player of the Year. Really gets me uh, excited for the upcoming Pakistan series. Yeah, for sure. The... Uh... I think Afridi's going to be the big one ahead of this, this new series. He obviously um, had a few glimpses when they travelled here not so long ago. And to pick up this Sir Garfield Sobers trophy is, is a huge, huge honour for him at, at such a, a young age as well. So um, he's going to be one that I think our batters are really going to have to focus on and really grit their teeth to get through. Um, his overs, Babrazan, an absolute fantastic uh, white ball format batsman, has been so for the past 24 months. Um, and they're really piecing together a fantastic squad at the moment, Pakistan, and that, as evident um, in the ICC team of the year. So um, we've got plenty to deal with and plenty on our hands, and it's, it's going to be a very, very tough trip to the subcontinent uh, come March. Any ideas on the makeup of uh, the tour squad for the Pakistan series? We've touched on different players, but any shocks in store for whenever they do announce the squad, do you think? Hard to think. Um, I guess our bowlers bowling attack will be much different from what we saw in the, the latter half of the uh, Ashes series. I think Scott Boland will certainly remain in the mix and Hazelwood coming back um, from injuries you know, place some uh, questions around you know, who starts between those two and, and if Hazelwood sorry, if Hazelwood should be coming straight back in. You've also got Mitch Stark and, and Pat Cummins to deal with as well. I think Cam Green should, should be holding his spot where he could be another one where they, they do look to kind of you know, balance that workload but we're certainly going to need that fifth um, that fifth bowl is going to help out, like I mentioned earlier, with those long overs that we've had to deal with prior. So um, I think as far as our bowling attack should remain somewhat the same. Uh, middle order will be interesting to see. I think you know head stays um, and most of those incumbents at, at the top will, will remain in the starting, but we could be relying on depth again. And you know, if we're looking to you know, leave someone like Jai Richardson out, who are we looking to bring in? Um, you know, will Mark Anissa, uh, you know join that squad as well? And what kind of spinners will we go with? Will we see Mitch Swepson you know, kind of break into that um, 11 at some point with you know, Nathan Lyon and him finally having that pairing? Uh, you know, will we see Glenn Maxwell, as you mentioned earlier, pull on the bag of green once again? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there probably were a few too many heads turning their attention to, to Glenn and the, and the baggy green reuniting uh, after that big knock in the BBL. But um, look, some things can't be ignored. His form over in India when he had his short stint, he picked up 100 and um, certainly showed plenty of promise and he's great against uh, spin as well so it's um, something that they could consider I don't think Maxwell will be on the flight over 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is a, is a surprise inclusion or two. Alex Kerry, I think towards the end of the Ashes, um, his glove work was um, questioned at times, and I think rightfully so, when we really want to lock down our you know first string wicket keeper. So hopefully Josh Inglis is over there as well, and who knows, we might see him even um, pull on the baggy green. Women's Ashes test gets underway tomorrow. We've been starved of the washes so far with the weather getting in the way, but the test from Manica Oval. And how's this? Beth Mooney set to take her place in the side nine days after surgery on a fractured jaw. Absolutely, absolutely stunning. Uh, I think when we, we spoke last week, we just had to assume that she was ruled out for arguably the, the whole series and should be placing her attention toward the World Cup and um, and that the Ashes, at least on Australia's behalf, had a, had a major blow in talent. So for Beth to be making such a miraculous return, um, you know, just less than two weeks after fracturing her jaws is absolutely um, staggering, really, I think is the, the word you have to use. Um, sounds like she's going to be, um, she's still on a, a liquid-only diet, so she's still sacrificing plenty to, to be um, running out there tomorrow, but um, it'll be absolutely fantastic, and hopefully she's at her very best, which will be um, absolutely great to see. Some news and chat this week around broadcasting deals and rights. Uh, the men's T20 uh, on free-to-air TV, but the women's one-day international World Cup in March not picked up by the free broadcasters, which has placed it behind a paywall. A little bit of disrespect there? Yeah, very disappointing, I think, um, to see just how quickly this, the women's game is growing in cricket and you know across many other sports. You know, look at football and NRLW, um, also really um, hitting some great strides across the last two years. So for the women's cricket to kind of be snubbed in that free-to-air bracket is is um, yeah disappointing. I think that's that's just the, the clear word to use here. Um, there's a great opportunity to make that connection and to gain greater resources, um, you know, more focus on the women's game, which you know leads to, to greater you know financial revenues and then greater re- and then you know greater development and greater quality of the game. So we can only grow um, with everyone kind of having that helping hand and, and to, to see that you know fans and particularly you know young cricketers that want to follow in the footsteps of the likes of Mooney, Lanning and Healy, um, un- perhaps unable to watch you know their heroes um, at a young age will be quite disappointing. Alyssa Healy uh, continuing to be the champion that she is, offering 20 KO vouchers to help those that can't see the series get around it. A uh, fantastic initiative. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, something that, um, yeah, certainly a lot of people can get around. Um, and I think, you know, KO is still offering these freebies as well. So it won't be um, blocked to, to everyone, but um, just makes it a bit harder that for someone uh, like Alyssa to, to do um, such a thing and, and, and that just shows how much she cares and, and how much she knows um, how important it is to be broadcasting the women's game to, to everyone and having it available to everyone so yeah um, a really uh, great philanthropic effort Before we move on further into some AFL chat Mitch uh, Sean Payton the legendary New Orleans Saints coach retiring today so we've been talking the iconic coaches topic tonight mate any come to mind for you? Uh, well Remaining in the NFL circles, at least, I mean, you, you can't really go past someone like Bill Belichick. Yes. Um, you know, I think you know what he can kind of bring from a tactical point of view is is unparalleled. But then, even in in the media, I think he's someone that certainly have you sitting up straight and sending a few shivers down the back of your spine. But um, and he has certainly a few parallels when you look at the AFL and the, the likes of maybe a Mick Malthouse, NRL, and Wayne Bennett. Um, and then in the NBA, Greg Popovich style. So he's certainly one iconic coach that is so successful but also um, can quickly turn on, on you if you, if you ask him the wrong thing. So Bill's, um, yeah, um, obviously one of the more iconic uh, coaches in the NFL and you look at the likes of Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, um, Curran, and then maybe more old school in, you know, Vince Lombardi, 
um, Tom Landry and his and his famous hat. So there's there's plenty in the NFL, and then um, looking over across a few more codes, um, you know, AFL with Lee Matthews, Kevin Sheedy, Alistair Clarkson, Tom Hafey, Al Jeans, um, plenty there. And then you know in the NBA, like I mentioned, Popovich certainly a standout, mm-hmm. Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, and um, even Coach K at Duke. You know, uh, Mike Kazowski, um, Kazowski, sorry. He's been there since, what, 1980 and um, hasn't really stood aside yet, but it's coming to an end. It's going to be a fine, a, an absolute fabulous farewell for, for Coach K and Duke um, in what has been one of the yeah the longest-running, um, I guess, partnerships. And I think um, at least, yeah, and Sean Payton um, and his tenure ending, it's it's going to be uh, quite interesting to see how the, the Saints go to look forward. We're now with you know, both him and Breeze out of the franchise. Yeah. Um, you know, they're now, what, among nine um, yeah, I think it's a nine. For yep. <laughs> nine sides looking for a new coach at the moment. So they might want to, um, hope, or hopefully they've got a succession plan already in place because they're going to have a bit of a scrap heap with, with some of those other um, clubs looking to, to bring someone in. But yeah, for Peyton to step aside was a, <laughs> a bit of a shock, mm. whether that's him um, you know, ending his time in the NFL or whether he's just looking towards something new, um, certainly something to keep an eye on. All right, let's talk some AFL to finish up with, Mitch. Uh, we've got some big Saints fans on the overnight crowd. Uh, Dean Kent is a favourite of theirs. Any news today? It looks like the Saints are set to add an SANFL star to their list. Yeah, Jack Hayes, who um, is touted as you know, arguably, a, I think, a top three um, state league player or player outside of the AFL at the moment. It's going to be, um, I think, a massive, massive inclusion for him. Kind of, I guess it's very hard to, to nail down exactly where Jack plays on the field, whether there's in the ruck as a forward or, or sometimes through the middle and it can even play a little bit behind the ball with his stellar marking ability and, and contested work. So the Saints um, certainly going to get the pick of the bunch through the, the preseason supplemental selection period. Um, you know, Jack was huge for Woodville West Torrens this season, won the, the Jack Odie um, medal for best on ground in their second successive uh, premiership win. So huge for them. I think he was also on the podium for the for the McGarry medal behind his own teammate James Sitzer. So um, yeah, a massive, <laughs> massive campaign for, for Jack Hayes, and he's going to be a huge get for the Saints, who I think a little bit more tall timber will do them well. Um, you know, Rowan Marshall and Paddy Wright are not always in the side due to injury, and um, I'm just thinking now of a pairing between Hayes and, and Marshall would be quite lethal in one moving forward, one in the ruck, and then switching straight across again. And um, yeah, the Saints are going to have a good one. Great article from you on the uh, pies and the five burning questions around the team for this year. Reading the chat from pies fans on the program, they believe that they're set for a return to the top eight and some finals footy. Uh, how do you see it playing out? Uh, optimistic, I must say, for some of those fans. <laughs> I, 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 you can only say assume about 18 months ago, most people might have even had Collingwood in their, their top eight for, for last season. Um, and it, it wasn't the year that, obviously, that the club had wanted. And, and even, I guess, that, that 18 months alone has been... Um, a bit tumultuous for them, but they're certainly working back uh, in the right direction under Coach Craig McRae. Um, you know they've got the youth there. They've got the, I think a good balance of, of you know, senior heads still within the team. Scott Penderbury still side bottom are going to play massive roles, and you know we may even see them step aside and, and start nurturing um, some of the, the younger and, and emerging players. So look, I, I can't see top eight being on the cards for Collingwood this year. Um, perhaps even not next year. So some of those fans might have to be a little patient, but the bones are there, the foundation's there for them. And uh, who knows, Craig um, could have a, a really strong impact straight away at the club from all um, from all word. And then who knows, like I said, I, I can't rule anything out after what we saw in the AFL last season. But um, yeah, I, I think Collingwood not being in there might be a certainty, unfortunately.
And to finish off with, mate, we got that pre-season footy bingo this week uh, as well, courtesy of Port Adelaide with young gun Connor Rosie set for more time in the midfield this upcoming season. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think, huge for Connie. He's had uh, a couple of you know injury-interrupted pre-seasons across the last two years and finally getting a full one under his belt is, is going to do wonders for him. I think I think a lot of Port fans have been just waiting for a player like him to, to, to step into that role and to hear that he's going to have... a Almost double the minutes, I think, is going to be um, great for Ken Hinckley. Just another weapon for them. Speaking uh, midweek, he was really excited to um, see just where the midfield group was was heading. Um, you know, he's very adamant that a lot less workload will be placed on the likes of Ollie Wines and Travis Boak. And, um, you know, with Rosie, Butters, Dersma um, pushing through, it's certainly an exciting time for Port Adelaide, who... Um, are kind of in that that I guess window of mm. you know is their list on the up or is their list kind of slowing down with age? So um, I think it's going to be a really critical year for them, and it's going to be a really exciting one for Connor Rosie. Well, Mitch, we really appreciate the time once again, mate. Uh, we'll keep up your work across Zero Digital Media. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks again, mate. That's Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Media joining us on the overnight crowd. He had some fantastic iconic coaches. You might like to uh, agree or disagree with Mitch and get involved on the overnight crowd text line 0433 But we did cast our mind across some uh, fantastic uh, cricket news around the place today and also building up for the BBL 11 final this coming Friday. So get involved on the overnight crowd with Paul Heath on SEN for this Wednesday night into Thursday morning around the night. 0433 16 or you can jump online and have a uh, chat and uh, shout it out loud across the nation. 1300 736 736. We'll be right back on the Overnight Crowd just after this. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.